we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. 2 Peter chapter 1, we look there together. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I find it interesting here that Peter opens up his epistle with this statement because there was a time, if you remember correctly, that he had thrice denied the Lord. But now he's, he's glad to call himself a servant of Jesus Christ. He continues to say, To them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So here we find that Peter is writing to those who are saved about their sanctification and not to the unsaved about their salvation, although I believe this letter is pertinent to both the saved and the lost. However, we find that Peter doesn't challenge his readers here to work hard in order to be saved, but to strive diligently because they are saved. Look with me there in verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. I'd like for you to underline that word virtue there. He says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many things that I could speak on tonight when addressing this passage, this epistle of Peter here. So many subjects and uh, so many themes that we could look at. But tonight, I'd like to draw your attention to that phrase, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for being so merciful to us each and every day. I certainly don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve your grace in my life, but I'm so thankful for it, Lord. Thank you for the family you've given me. Thank you for the church family you've given me. Thank you for the opportunity and the freedom, Lord, that we have to come and together together and to learn from your word what you would have for us. We thank you and praise you for all that you're doing here at Tabernacle. And I'm so privileged to be a part of it. Lord, thank you for being so good to us. Help us, Lord, as we look into your word. Fill us, Lord, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If I were to go around the room tonight and ask each individual, if after a period of time were to pass, would you have liked to have grown to be a a greater father, a greater husband, maybe, a greater mother, a greater wife, a greater student, and the list goes on, I'd venture to say that we would all say the same. Yes. Yes, I would like to have grown over a period of time. We would all say that through the course of time, we would desire to have become greater. I want to remind you that the greatest thing we could ever desire to become is to become 
like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As the famous hymn goes, Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. This is what Peter is challenging us to do, to grow in our sanctification so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. I'd like to bring your attention very quickly to that word diligence, to that word diligence. Peter calls for a diligent, disciplined, lifelong effort on the part of the Christian. What we find here in this text is an exhortation, if you will, to live a life that requires discipline and self-denial. How many of you still working on that? Yeah, I think we could all raise our hand, myself included. It's a challenge to every Christian for all the days of their lives. In the original Greek, that word diligence is spude, which means to move quickly, to hasten. It refers to eagerness, earnestness, willingness, or zeal. It's an example of earnest desire. However, that word spude implies more than just an earnest desire. It includes action as well as desire. Romans chapter 12 and verse 11 gives us a wonderful example of this when it says, not lagging behind in diligence, but fervent in spirit serving the Lord. P.R. Van Gorder is a professor at Baylor University. He teaches a variety of classes that deals with religion, Christianity, and theology. I heard this story uh, about a year ago or so. One early morning when he was in New York City, he was standing outside his hotel waiting for the airport bus. There was no one in the streets, just him and one other man. Gorder states, my attention was drawn to one lone man who was cleaning the glass on the doors at the entrance of the hotel. With great care, he removed every smudge. He even dusted overhead so that no dirt or cobwebs would collect. That made his work so noteworthy was, or excuse me, what made his work so noteworthy, he says, was that no one was inspecting it. And throughout the day, many people would go through those doors, smearing the windows with their handprints. Nevertheless, he says, he worked diligently and faithfully with special care to make sure those glass panels were spotless. What a lesson, I thought, for Christians. All of our work should be characterized by such diligence and thoughtfulness and thoroughness. Even when no human eye looks on and no tongue commends our efforts, we must strive to do our best as to the Lord. Our willingness to work hard should not result from a desire to win the approval of others, but from a deep awareness that we are servants of Christ. What a powerful story. One commentator said this, these beautiful qualities here that we find in 2 Peter are not things that the Lord simply pours into us as we passively receive. Instead, we are called to give all the diligence to these things, working in partnership with God to add them. I found that interesting when I read this. He says, and beside this, giving all diligence. I'd like for you to notice with me the next phrase that Peter states there in the verse the following in verse 5. As a theme for tonight's thought, as I said before, before, excuse me, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. I'd like to speak on this subject tonight. And I'm going to give you three things very quickly this evening to think about. Number one is the value of virtue. 
the value of virtue. Number two is the example of virtue. And number three is the purpose of virtue. Let's look together at the value of virtue. Number one, the value of virtue. Peter wrote in verse four that God has provided for us to become partakers of his divine nature. The character qualities to follow that Peter exhorts us to pursue are the character traits of God. And they should be evident in the lives of every believer to some extent. It's important to understand that this is not simply here just a list of imperatives. It's not a list of duties or activities. Uh, Peter is not writing about how to become. Uh, rather, he's, he's talking about the kind of person that Christians should strive to become. It's also important to note that Peter gives us a list unlike any other list in the Scriptures. In Galatians 5, Paul lists the fruits of the Spirit. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul gives us a list of godly qualities the Christians should pursue. None of the New Testament here lists, the lists in the New Testament are exactly alike, which suggests this, that Peter has given us a selected list. It also implies Peter's list was compiled for a particular reason. There is certainly a purposeful order, if you will, when you read these lists of qualities. Uh, it's, it's presented in a way that, that, uh, that suggests uh, a random order. Uh, excuse me, it's not presented in a way that suggests a random order. The unique thing here is that each quality, I found this interesting when studying this passage, each quality builds upon the other before it. Knowing this, this begs us all to ask the question, following faith, why does Peter begin with virtue? Why does Peter begin with virtue? I ask myself that question. And as I begin to study, I begin to see the reason why. You would think that knowledge would come before virtue. In fact, the emphasis in this book is growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter writes in verse 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the main purposes of Peter's second epistle here is to educate the believers, if you will, on how they can become fruitful in their spiritual life by having a working knowledge of the one in whom they placed their faith in. That's a challenge to every one of us. We should always strive every day of our life to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the one who, whom in which we've placed our faith and trust in. And that's what he's saying here. This is the, the theme here. Peter places a great deal of emphasis on knowledge as well uh, because there were many false teachers in that day, as there are in our day, and he knows that having a concrete understanding of the scriptures of salvation and of sanctification is the best defense against the attacks and false teachers of his day and of our day as well. But God reveals something to Peter here that he's also revealed to us. Virtue is placed before knowledge because knowledge without virtue leads to pride and vain imaginations. The problem is that so many of us are trying to jump ahead, not realizing that without virtue, none of these qualities can be possible. The Apostle Paul gives us an example of knowledge without virtue in Romans 1. He speaks of sinful men who were wise in their own minds, and you're familiar with the passage, so much so that they rejected the glory of God and established their own glory. 
Through their knowledge, they became puffed up and began to worship themselves uh, and creation instead of the Creator. As a result, they were darkened in their minds, unable to grasp divine revelation and truth, the Bible says. Bob Deffenbaugh is a graduate of the Dallas Theological Seminary, and he said this, When we embrace virtue, we are then able to grasp the knowledge which comes next in the list of virtues. So why should you and I heed Peter's advice and seek to grow in virtue before knowledge? Because doing so produces a mindset receptive to the knowledge of God revealed through His Word. So I know that many of you are thinking, just as I was thinking when I was reading this passage and studying it as God began to work in my heart, I began to think, okay, what exactly is virtue? Virtue is the Greek word erite, which means excellence. Excellence of what? Excellence of character. More specifically, the Bible speaks of this in the light of moral excellence. It also has the meaning of courage in the face of adversity. So what's the aim here? Peter is encouraging the believer to add to his faith a courage to live a life of moral excellence. How powerful and convicting is that? From generation to generation, there's always been a great need for God's people uh, to lead in this crucial area of moral excellence. I just want to remind you that I, as I've been reminded, it's, it's just as important now to lead that life of moral excellence as it was in Peter's day. The world's looking for people, young people, old people alike, to live in such a way uh, that exemplifies the Lord Jesus in a way that uh, to show that then through the moral compass of the Bible, uh, we can, through the guiding of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, live a life of moral excellence. In our speech, we should live a life of moral excellence. In our music, we should live a life of moral excellence. In our entertainment, in our actions, in our relationships, and the list goes on. Every area of our life, you and I alike, should strive to live this life of moral excellence. Which leads me to number two, the example of virtue. The example of virtue. There's many examples throughout God's Word of virtue, and virtuous women, virtuous men, and God gives plenty of examples to choose from. But a couple that come to my mind is Genesis 39 tells of Joseph who refused to commit fornication with Potiphar's wife for fear of sinning against God. It's remarkable what he said in this passage. He said in Genesis 39.9, There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Here it's revealed that Joseph had the opportunity because he was well-trusted, and you and I know the story very well. He could have accepted the invitation of such a woman, but virtue was demonstrated, and he refused. Another example that came to my mind is Daniel. Many of you are familiar with the book of Daniel and the story there. It was said of him in Daniel 1.8 that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The very act of purposing showed his virtue. Courage in the face of great opposition. 
We're living in a day and age that is shoving immorality in your face and in mine. A lack of virtue, a lack of, of excellency of character. And I want to tell you, it's not going to get any easier. We, we, may, we may think that it may, and, and we pray that it may. The Bible says that the world will wax worse and worse. We know that the closer we get to glory, the closer we get to Christ and to heaven, the world will become worse and worse. If there's ever a time for you and for me, I, I can't speak for you, I can speak for myself, and, and I'm convicted when I come to this passage, if there's ever a time for me to live a life of moral excellence and excellency of character, it is right now. It's in our day. It's in our age. My children depend on it. My wife depends on it. Uh, many of you, our church family, we depend on one another to look to one another, to encourage one another. That's what Peter's talking about here. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21 says this, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. I don't want you to miss this. He says, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. I want you to be assured of something tonight. Focusing on moral excellence and excellency of character in your life, it will enable you to be used of God in a mighty way. One man said this, if we are not morally excellent people, it should come as no surprise that God is not using us for any spiritual endeavor. That convicted me as a Christian when I, when I read that. James 4, 7 says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Isn't it wonderful to know that God has given us a way of escape? But it starts with submission to him. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I tell you, resisting the devil, that's a daily thing, isn't it? That's a daily thing. I'm learning that more and more every day of my life. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Before you resist, there must be submission. Submit to the Lord in every area of your life. Submit to him in your relationships. Submit to him in your music. I'm the music director here. I'm the music teacher in the middle school and high school. And I want to tell you something. As I've began to teach and I've, I've been teaching, one thing that has become very, very real to me, and I've experienced it in my own life just going through my teenage years, but it's become so real to me that we are fools to think that Satan would not use music to get a hold of our hearts, to get a hold of our young people. And I know that's such a broad subject there. and People don't want to touch subject of music. Certainly not. I've learned that. But I tell you one thing. Who was Lucifer when he was in heaven? He was the chief musician. We're foolish to think that Satan would not use music through entertainment, whatever avenue it may be, and it's creeping into our churches today. Submit yourselves to the Lord. Submit yourselves in this area of music. Submit yourselves in your work. Submit yourselves in your home. Submit yourselves in your entertainment. Whatever it may be, submit yourself to the Lord. And then as the devil begins to fight you, resist him. If you are fully submitted to the Lord, God will help you. And he will give you the courage, the boldness, the strength to have excellency of character. So then when those fiery darts come, 
You can resist him, and he will flee from you. What a promise. It's an encouraging promise. I want you to notice one last thing with me tonight, and that is the purpose of virtue. The purpose of virtue. What is the purpose of virtue? It's to live a life of obedience to Christ. Look with me in verse 3, there in 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. What is the purpose of virtue? What, what is it for? In, in, in a world that is uh, degrading this area, this genre of life, if you will, in a world that is kicking against it, in a world that is screaming in your face through every avenue you can think of against this stand of moral excellence. What is the purpose to live a life of virtue? It is so that we can live a life that is obedient to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but at the end of my life, I want the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I tell you, I fail him. I fail him daily, just as we all do. But what an encouraging thought here. What, what a convicting thought to think. What, what's the purpose of virtue that Peter's talking about here? Add to your faith virtue. You and I, we've received the Lord Jesus Christ. What are we adding? We're adding to our faith virtue. Why are we adding that? So that we can live a life of obedience to the one in whom we've placed our faith and trust in. It's the second thing, to grow and to become more like Christ. This is a daily thing. This is a lifelong endeavor. Look with me in verse 8. It says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I said earlier on in the sermon here, if I were to go around the room and I were to ask how many of you would desire to grow in whatever area it was in your life, I can imagine that every one of us would say, yes, I desire to grow. If five years were to pass, if 10 years were to pass, if 20 years were to pass, I desire to grow for my sake, for the Lord's sake, for my children's sake, my spouse's sake, whatever it may be, we desire to grow. What is more important than growing to become more like Christ? That's what you and I are called to do. We say, well, we're called to do this in life, and we're called to do that. At the end of the day, we are all called to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. We do that by getting in His Word, by reading it, by getting on our knees and praying, asking the Lord to fill us with knowledge of Him, with virtue, and all of these wonderful qualities that we find here in 2 Peter. Here's a third thing. So that Christ will get the glory from our lives. It's all about Christ. What's the purpose of virtue? To live a life of obedience to Christ, to grow and to become more like Christ. And the third thing that came to my mind is so that Christ will get all the glory from our lives. Verse 19 says this, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Until Jesus comes... And we are made new. It is our job to become more like Him, and in doing so, give Him all the glory through every area of our life. One commentary 
that I read stated this. He said, the moral excellence we are to add to our faith is the excellence of God's nature, which He makes available to us in Christ. He's made it available. He's given us all things, He says, that pertain to life and to godliness. You and I, when we are standing before the Lord one day, we will have no excuse. Boy, it's easy to make excuses. i got to get out of that habit myself. It's easy to make excuses. You know, you come home and the wife says, Who in the world made this mess? It was Bennett. It's him. He did it. All right? Get, get on to him. All right? They're always making excuses. All right? He did it. She did it. It was her fault. It was his fault. You know, I, I did this because of this. Can I tell you, when we get in front of the Lord one day, we will have no excuse that we did not at least strive to live these qualities out in our life. It's a convicting thought. He says, we are to add to our faith by acknowledging it as good, as desirable, as worthy of praise, and as that of which we wish to emulate in our lives. We ought to desire it. If you're wondering, do I truly know the Lord as my Savior? Do you desire to grow? Do you desire to become more like Him? Oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer. I think of that every day. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. May that be written above our heads every morning that we awake. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Oh, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Every aspect of our life should be about Jesus and Him alone. In case you're wondering, just like myself, how can I live a virtuous life? How can I live a life of moral excellence when I, many of us, self-included, sometimes can't get through 24 hours without stumbling. How can we live this life of excellency of character, of moral excellence? Here's my response. You can't. You can't. I I thought of a response to give you. I thought, man, this this will sound good. You You know what? Yeah, I'm telling myself this, and I'm thinking, yeah, trying to figure it all out on my own. You could do this. You could do that. You could do the other. After a while, I just gave up. And I just thought, you can't. You can't. I can't. But he can through the enabling of the Holy Spirit in our life. A virtuous life will only be lived out by the enabling of the Holy Spirit. As we walk with him, as we talk with him, as we glean wisdom from him and his word, God will give us the courage. It will give us the strength. It will give us the renewing of our minds, his word will, to live this life of moral excellence. Pastor Hooks said this once. He said, The recognition of our weakness is the key to our strength. The recognition of our weakness is the key to our strength. We are weak, but He is strong. We need His strength lived out through us every day of our lives. I find it interesting that Jesus says in Matthew 26, 40, He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you have been there? You've been there. I've been there every day of my life. The spirit is willing. I know what to do. I know to do right. I I know what to say. I, I, I know what to think. The spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Who is Jesus speaking to here in Matthew's gospel when he says this? He's speaking to Peter. He's speaking to Peter. And through this passage, he's speaking to every one of us. 
The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. We need His help. We must depend on Him. Every step of the way, we must depend on Him. What is the purpose of virtue? As the songwriter says, Oh, to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer. In preschool here, my son Bennett, many of you know, he's three years old, and he's got a glowing personality and uh, doesn't meet a stranger. And he has developed a friendship, not just a friendship, I mean the ultimate friendship with a little boy named Jason. And it's so incredibly precious to see them both together. And everything is about Jason. Everything. I mean, we come home, how's your day? Jason said... Um, hey, what are you thinking about, Bennett? Where do you want to go? I'll go see Jason. Hey, are you excited to go to school? Yeah, I'll go see Jason. I mean, everything is about Jason. And it's just the most precious thing when I see it. And he comes home and he tells us about his day and he tells us how they, you know, he was Hulk and he was Captain America and, you know, they both fight over Spider-Man. Spider-Man gets all the attention, you know. And uh, it's a wonderful thing just to hear all the stories day in and day out in preschool with his friend Jason. And uh, I, I cut Bennett's hair, and, you know, telling this story, many of you are probably going to see him tonight, and he doesn't have a fresh haircut, so I apologize, but he needs one. But I cut his hair sometimes, and, and uh, Jason saw him, and every time he sees Bennett, he comes running to him, he gives him a hug. Every time he sees me, Bennett's daddy, Bennett's daddy, and it's the most precious thing. But he wants to be like Bennett, and Bennett wants to be like Jason. And the other day, um, he came to me, and he said, I'm going to get a haircut and a haircut. I'm going to look like Bennett. I'm going to look like Bennett. I said, that's awesome. That's exciting. And he was so excited for this haircut. Why? Because he was going to look just like Bennett. And they sent us some pictures and some things when it was done. And, and uh, we came to school. This is a few weeks ago now. We came to school, and I dropped him off, and Kaylee said, hey, she said, you know, you, you, you speak to him, and I was going to, and, but she just reminds, speak to him, tell him how awesome his hair. And so I got there, and first thing, he came running to the door with his Spider-Man toys just to greet Bennett like he does every day. And he said, look, look, my hair, my hair. And I said, your haircut looks so great. Man, it looks so awesome. It looks so wonderful. And as Bennett began to walk in there with him, he put his arm around him, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, Bennett's daddy, look, he said, to Bennett, to Bennett. And it spoke to me. I told that story to my mom. My mom began to weep, and she said, that's just like you and me. We should so strive to become like Christ. And when people look at us, they say, to Christ, to Christ. How are you, and how am I? trying every day to live a virtuous life, to add to my faith virtue, then everything else will come. But we must work diligently. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you and thank you once again for listening.